Well, for the remainder of the summer, we're going to be focused on one of my passions, and it's the book of Psalms. And I'll kind of explain that to you even as we get going today. But before we do that, I've got a couple of things. Number one, I want to um, let you know that Logan, his last Sunday is going to be July 30th, and we would like to celebrate all he's done this summer. I, I wish I was here to get to know him a little earlier this year, but uh, we want to celebrate that. So we're going to have some cake um, that we're going to celebrate after church on the 30th. We'll have a sign-up sheet next Sunday for finger food. So it's not going to be this big potluck like we're doing today, but just something simple. And if you want to get a card to Logan and thank him for what he's done this summer, we would encourage that. I'm glad he's with our kids right now so we, we, we can kind of keep this among us, but we want to celebrate uh, Logan and all he's done this summer. So keep that in mind. The second thing I want to let you know is that last Sunday, I'm still basking in the afterglow of that service. And one of the things um, that I prayed for, and I even told Sherry about this when I got out of the hospital. When I prayed in the hospital, I prayed for our church almost every day. And one of the prayers I had was, Lord, give us the freedom to do exactly what we talked about or sang about this morning, to, to use this altar, come to the altar. I think a lot of times um, churches have kind of thought, well, the altar's for people who are struggling with sin and all of that. No, the altar is a place of sacrifice where we sacrifice ourselves and just pour our hearts to the Lord. There have been many times where I've laid my burdens down at the altar. Not sins, but just my worries, my cares, my doubts, my fears. And what I loved about last Sunday's service was there was such a freedom. People just got up all throughout the service, no matter what, and came forward and poured their hearts out to the Lord. My prayer as we go forward that we have that, that freedom to do that. No one's going to look at you or anything, even if it's during a song, during the sermon, feel free to be obedient. And that was a huge answer to prayer for me. So thank you for that. And we're, we're going to continue to pray that God moves in our service. So uh, the Anchor Holds was, what, was just such a great service, and I'm still basking in that. Today, though, we're making the transition, and it's all about the Psalms. And so for the next 150 weeks, we will be going through... I'm joking. We're not going to do a... There's not 150 weeks in summer. There is 150 Psalms, but there's not 150 weeks of summer. And you can see it's summer in the Psalms, not six months in the Psalms. So uh, I could spare you that. But what we're going to do is going to pick some Psalms that are different. There's a lot of different types of psalms. You'll see psalms of lament, praise, thanksgiving. We're going to pick a couple of different psalms that, that are different, are different types, and really get into them and really let God speak to us what he's going to do in our lives. And so I'm excited about this. I'll kind of explain why the psalms are so important to me today. But, you know, just be committed to looking at this wonderful treasury of books that we have here right in the middle of the Bible. So today, we are all going to be focused on Psalm 1. The sermon today is the life that God blesses. I learned from the sound of music to start at the very beginning, for it's a very good place to start. 
So that's why I chose Psalm 1 today, to get us going on this journey in the book of Psalms. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. The NIV version says this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord Let's say it together. Praise be to God. You may be seated. So I share a passion that my friends Larry and Dorothy Sheeler share. I like garage sales. I like flea markets. I like going in and kind of looking at things. Many times it's a trip down memory lane if I see a lot of old stuff. So I I have a passion for doing that. I wish I could do more of it. Like on a Saturday morning, it's great to go to garage sales and just kind of look. In 1991, there was a man who went to a flea market and he bought what he called an ugly painting. But the reason he bought that ugly painting was that he liked the picture frame around it. And so he bought that ugly painting for $4 because he liked the picture frame. When he got home, He started to take that ugly painting off of the picture frame and he found a document inconspicuously hidden behind the ugly painting. What's amazing was that old document in that picture frame that he bought for four bucks was a copy of the first printing of the Declaration of Independence. That shockingly rare find sold for $7 million at auction in the year 2000. I kind of think that the book of Psalms, and in my life anyway, is very much like that Declaration of Independence. I've always known Psalms there is there. It's right in the middle of the Bible. It's the largest book of the Bible. I mean, I memorized Psalms even growing up. It, it's always had a special place, but I didn't realize the treasure that this book really was, until I started digging into it, until I kind of peeled back the covering and I realized this book is life-changing. It took me until I was 40 years old to find the passion that I have for Psalms. But God used it, and he spoke to me through it. And do you know, I started getting excited about Psalm when I was 40, 40 years old, In 2011, when I was 41, is when I almost died and had my first medical crisis. And it was the book of Psalms that got me through that most difficult part of my life. I love this book. It truly is a treasure. And yes, we know it as an Old Testament worship book. And we know that they sang those words probably in their Old Testament worship uh, meetings. 
but it is so much more, so much more. It truly is a treasure. Why is it a treasure? Well, it's a treasure because it's a treasure of worship. In fact, one of the things I was doing in the hospital, one of my favorite groups right now is Shane and Shane, and they have at least two albums where they actually have taken the words of certain psalms, like Psalm 46, Psalm 34, Psalm 23, and they sing those words. This is a treasure of worship, and it is a wonderful place that we can, we can connect with the Lord. It's a treasure of prayer. One of the things I'm going to encourage you to do this summer is take a psalm, maybe one that we study on Sunday, and look at those words and pray those words. I did that in my hospital stay in 2011. I did it most recently in Cleveland Clinic. And it ministers to you. It helps you get through those difficult times. It truly is a treasure of prayer. It's also a treasure of poetry. It's one of the poetic books in the Bible. In fact, it doesn't read like a textbook or a lecture or anything. It reads like a beautiful poem. And where the English poetry is, is hallmarked through rhythm and rhyme, Hebrew poetry is, is known for its repetition, known as parallelism. And they will repeat concepts over and over again to either compare or contrast. It is a beautiful treasure of poetry. And then the Psalms are a treasure of Torah. Now, a lot of times we think of Torah as law, the first five books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. That is true, but Torah is so much more. In the Hebrew mind, Torah not only meant law, it meant instruction or teaching. In fact, when you look at the book of Psalms, we know Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, all of that. We know those are the books of law, but if you look at the book of Psalm, and you should see this in your Bible, it's actually divided up in five books as well. So what God is showing us is that not only is Psalms this worship book, this book of prayer, this book of poetry, it is something where God is trying to teach us and instruct us on how to get through this thing called life. You will become amazed at the teaching that the book of Psalms is because it is our Torah. It's Torah that we can use in our daily life. So what I discovered at 40 years old with this book that endeared me so much to it was that it truly helped, helped me connect and grow in the Lord. And little did I know at that time, it was actually preparing me for my unknown future. So how did it do that? Well, it's a treasure because it allowed me, allowed me to connect and grow with the Lord. It is as deep as the ocean. Why does the human experience, every emotion that you will go through here in life is recorded in the book of Psalms. There's Psalms of praise, thanksgiving, prayer, lament. Lament's something we don't talk a lot about in 21st century Christianity. But I can guarantee you that the Jewish people talked and prayed and cried out in lament. And we need to learn how to do that. We can say it is well, even when sorrows like sea billows roll. And that's what lament teaches us. There's even psalms of ascent. So whatever you're going through, there's a psalm for that. Not that there's an app for that, but there is a psalm for that. 
And the word of the psalmist becomes our heart's cry. And what I like most of all is that the same words of the psalmist becomes God's voice speaking to us into our weary souls. A great example of this, and I shared this last week. I love Psalm 4610. That was what my, Paul, my friend Paul Rennick gave me to get me through this most difficult time at Cleveland Clinic. Be still and know that I am God. I also compared it last week to 1 Kings 19, 11, and 12, where God was speaking to Elijah. And he didn't speak to him in the wind, the earthquake, the fire. We, that's where we expect God to speak. He's big. He's loud. He's large. No. God spoke to Elijah with a gentle whisper. And the only time you can really hear a whisper is if you're still and know who's speaking. One of my friends texted me this week. He watched the sermon online, and he reminded me as well. He said, to hear a gentle whisper, you have to be close to the source of the whisper. That's what the book of Psalms gets us. It gets us closer to God so we can hear his still, small voice in the din of this world around us, in the ruckus, in the noise. We can hear him. So that's what this book can do for us. So as we go through the summer, here's my request to you. We're not going to do scripture memorization where you have to stand up here like Pastor Jeremy and I do and make fools of yourself. You don't have to do that. But here's what I would love for you to do. If you could commit to doing this this summer, I think we will grow as a church spiritually. Number one, saturate your life with the book of Psalms this summer. Instead of if you're at the beach or at the pool, instead of curling up with a Harlequin romance or what I like, a Tom Clancy novel, Focus on the Psalms. See what God wants to say to you. See what your heart can say to God. And really dig into these Psalms this summer. Each Sunday, we're going to focus on a different Psalm, not 150 of them, but several of them. When we focus on that Psalm, do me a favor, during the week, during your devotional time, read it, reread it. Pray that Psalm, and we'll talk about what that sounds like. Meditate on that psalm for the entire week. I love reading through the entire Bible in a year, but the, the, the drawback to that, and I've seen it in my own life, is that I'll start reading it, and I'm like, oh, I've got to finish these chapters by the end of the day, or I'm going to get behind. And so I read, read, read really fast to get through that portion. That I, with the book of Psalms this summer, let's slow it down. And just focus on maybe one psalm a day. And just focus on it. Reread it. See what God is saying to you. Because I think that's another way we can hear that gentle whisper from the Lord. And like I said, we, we, we get into reading too fast. Let's slow down and really connect with God and let him speak to you. Well, that's the book of Psalms. That's why we're going to be in here this summer. Today... We're, it's all about <clears throat> Psalm 1. It's only six verses, but these six verses are so powerful. Now, many believe that this was written by David. Let me give you another little thing that I think of when I think of the Psalms. There are many Psalms that are specifically ascribed or assigned to David. And then there are Psalms, like Psalm 1, that most scholars think David wrote, but we don't know for sure, if it's ascribed to him. 
My, my um, thoughts are is that if it's not ascribed to David, I'm not going to say it's David's psalm. There's a strong likelihood it could be. But it is a psalm that we should study. So, so today we're going to focus on all six verses of this psalm. And what you'll find is that the psalmist, whoever wrote it, is using repetition not to compare, but to contrast the one who is blessed versus the one who is not blessed. And so let's look at this psalm and just see what God is going to say to us today. It starts out with, blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Let's focus on that word blessed. It simply means happy, content, or fulfilled. I want to be blessed. I want to be happy. I want to be content and fulfilled. So right away, this psalm catches my attention. I want to be blessed today. I love how it says, blessed is the what? Notice it doesn't say, blessed is the king. Blessed is the scholar. Blessed is the, 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 the rich. No, it doesn't say any of that. It says that you, blessed is the one, anyone. You can be poor, you can be forgotten, you can be obscured, and you can still be blessed. Praise the Lord, God's blessing is for anyone who receives it. And I love how this psalm really describes the progression of sin. In fact, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. A lot of times, the blessed one does not walk in those steps. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the company of mockers. That is really how sin happens. Let's take the sin of pornography. A lot of times, someone will make a poor decision, always starts out with a decision, where they go to a website that they probably shouldn't be at. That's stepping right into that path of sin. Now, that can happen. You can repent and get out of there. But sometimes people decide to stand in the way of sinners. That means you're going to remain there for a little while. You're going to linger. And then eventually, you become addicted and you decide to sit or take up residence in that new lifestyle. What the psalmist is saying is that if you're going to be happy, if you're going to be content, if you're going to get through this thing called life, you have to avoid that, even taking that first step into disobedience. Certainly don't remain there by standing and don't sit there and make it a lifestyle. How many times have we seen, and I've seen it in my own life, where I've made a poor decision and I take that first step and I have to decide, am I going to linger there or am I going to let God get me out of there? I love the old phrase that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. How many times have we seen lives destroyed because people chose to walk, stand, and sit in sin? The one who is blessed avoids that. The one who is blessed gets out of that situation. Even when you make mistakes, I love the picture of repentance 
where you can make that 180 degree turn and have God help you out of that situation. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. I, I love that. The, and once again, the word for law is Torah. So it means law, of course, just like our English translators made. But remember, it's also instruction. It's also direction. It also means the word of the Lord. Do you delight in the word of the Lord? Do you delight in his instruction? Do you delight in his direction in your life? And I think about that word delight. What do you delight in? If you're Pastor Jeremy, you delight in the Buckeyes. If you're Evan and I, you might delight in the Wolverines. And you're like, boo, hiss, that's horrible. And if you're like me, you delight in pizza. Sherry and I had Chicago deep dish pizza yesterday. And now that I can eat, finally, I delighted in that deep dish pizza. And what happens when you delight in something? I don't have to beg Jeremy to watch the Buckeyes on Saturday. He's going to be there with his, his jersey on. He's ready to go. You don't have to beg me to eat pizza. If we got pizza, I'm going to eat it. Why? Because I delight in it. Do you delight in God's word? Do you hunger for it? Is it something that you enjoy? Is it something that you have a passion for? That's what the psalmist is saying is that if you're going to have this happy, content, fulfilled life, you need to delight in God's word. Now, Maybe you look at your life and you say, well, I don't have that passion for God's word like I do for other things. Don't let Satan discourage you with that. I believe it's better to, to pray this psalm and say, Lord, help me delight in your word. Give me a passion for your word. Give me such a love and a desire that I can't even start my day without delighting in your word. I guarantee you, if you pray those words of the psalmist, God is faithful. He will answer that prayer. And I have seen times in my life where it's a struggle just to read a couple verses. And then I pray a prayer like that, and suddenly I can't wait to start my day and end my day with prayer, with, with getting into his word. Get into his word. Delight in it. And I like this phrase also that says meditate on God's word. Meditate. And, and what's great is that we can pray God's word, just like I said. That's a way to meditate it. Lord, help me have that blessed life. Help me to not walk in the path of the wicked. Help me to not stand in the way of the sinners. Help me to not sit in the seat of the mockers. Let me be the blessed one that you're talking about. That's a way we can meditate on God's word. And it's, it's a meditation that's different than Easter meditation. In Easter meditation, they want you to empty your mind. That can be dangerous. But when we meditate on God's word, this is what we're focused on. That can be uplifting. That can build your life. And so that's what we're talking about. The word meditate in Hebrew means to ponder, to utter, to chew on it. Only two times of the day, both night and day. That means 24-7, we should be meditating on God's word. And that's why I like this idea of taking one psalm a day, reading it, rereading it, and really chewing on it all day long. God, what do you want me to learn from this? 
so we can pray God's word. Write a couple of those verses down. Keep it in front of you all day. When you're having a bad day at work, look at that and say, I want to delight in God's word today. Memorize a Bible verse or two. You don't have to get up here and quote it, but let me memorize a verse and make it a part of your daily devotions. That is something that we can do to meditate on God's word. So verse three tells us how a righteous person is blessed. And I love this imagery. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do will prosper. Well, I always read this verse, and I thought of a tree in Ohio, by a river in Ohio. It's green, it's lush, it's, it's abundant, it's great. And I think that's a nice picture, but think about where the psalmist wrote this psalm. It was in Israel. Not nearly as green, not nearly as lush. Pastor Ken and I have both been there, and if you go to the place called the Negev, this is kind of what it looks like. So if you're going to be a tree planted by the rivers of water to give, bring forth fruit and prosper, you've got to place yourself in that water. And even when it doesn't rain in a climate like this, you can be fulfilled. The person's living the life that God blesses makes it through the dry seasons of life, not because they're providing their own water or nourishment, but they are basking in the living waters of Christ. That's why they produce fruit. They produce the fruit of the Spirit, not because they love, they have joy, or they have peace, but because God is producing that in them. They, are, they have deep roots, so they are strong and they are stable. And then, verse 4, the psalmist uses that contrast to say, the wicked are not so. They are like chaff that is blown away when the wind blows. And so now we see this picture of the threshing floor, where harvest, the harvest is happening and chaff is being separated from the, from the grain. Chaff is this light shell that is around a kernel of grain that has to be stripped away. And when it is, you can see in this picture, the wind just blows it. Chaff is rootless, weightless, and worthless. Chaff is unstable and lacking in substance. How many times when the winds of life blow are people blown around? If you are a tree planted by the rivers of water, you have strong roots, not even the strongest wind will knock you down. And that's how you can be blessed. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of righteous. Psalm 1 verse 5 really has us consider the dangerous future of the wicked. Many godly seem to prosper in this world. We can look and see how ungodly people seem to prosper but mark my words, this verse is reminding us that there will be a day where they will not survive the judgment. They're chaff. How can you stand in judgment if you have no weight, no roots, nothing to stand on? We stand because our roots are in Christ. Our roots are in the living water. That's why we are trees planted in Christ. The wicked will not. They are weightless. 
they are chaff. And that day is coming where they will be judged. I want to be the tree and not the chaff. Final verse, and I like this because it's a good summary of what the psalmist is saying. This verse says, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. You see, the righteous can have peace because God watches over your life. He is going to protect and preserve you. Even when you don't know the way that you are going, God does. When I was in Cleveland Clinic and I went through all those complications, I was frustrated. I had no idea how this was going to turn out. But the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Every moment that I cried, every moment that I agonized in pain, God was there watching over. And the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I like that word way. You'll see it throughout the Bible. It really describes your life, your path. Elon is on the way of a graduate. He's going down that path of a graduate. And so God watches over your path in life, whether you know it or not. In fact, four times in the book of Acts, Christianity is called the way. To be a follower of Christ is to be on the way of righteous and not on the way of the ungodly. The question today is, which way are you on? Psalm 1 is telling us that we can be fulfilled. We can be happy. We can be blessed by God if we are on that way of righteousness. And another word for righteousness is holiness. That way of holiness. Are you on that path? Or have you made a poor decision and taken that step, walking in the path of the ungodly? Or have you stood a little bit too long in that path of disobedience? Have you decided to sit in that ungodly lifestyle? The good news is, because of what Christ did on the cross, you can make that U-turn. And you can get on the way, the path of the righteous, and that way of holiness. Too many times, we hear of holiness and we get nervous. Because we think, well, I'm not holy. I, I make mistakes. I fall short. I miss the mark. I can't live that lifestyle. You know, God doesn't expect us to do this on our, on our own. Last week, 10,000 Nazarene teens were in Tampa, Florida. And it was at NYC. One of the speakers, Rich Velodis, he, he actually is a pastor of an inner city church in, in New York, just an amazing pastor. He had, this spe- he had this quote that I think is really good for us to understand when it comes to holiness and righteousness and being blessed and walking on that path that the psalmist tells us to walk on. He says, holiness is not something we achieve. Can I tell you what? A, what a burden that takes off of my shoulders. Because I know I can't live this holiness lifestyle on my own. I can't do it. It's not something I can achieve. Holiness is something we receive by grace through faith. And we can receive that if we are open to it. And that is how we become trees planted by living water. That is how we produce that fruit of the Spirit in season. That is how we are blessed. 
And you might say, well, how do I receive that? It, it sounds great. I would love to receive that. It's exactly what Pastor Jeremy read to the new members. It's through that entire sanctification where you say, I yield everything to you, God. I give you everything. Take my life. Take my will. Take my mind. It is all yours. And when you do that, you receive his holiness, his righteousness. Not your own, because our righteousness is filthy rags. But we receive what he has for us. I want us to sing about that today. And I'm excited about this because I've asked Evan to come up and help me. You guys know I don't play guitar that great. So Evan's actually a pretty good guitar player. And so he's going to play guitar. As you can hear from my voice, my voice is a little weak. Um, I, I, I've been able to speak. Singing is a little tough for me. And I think a lot of it's because they worked on my diaphragm so much that my voice is a little weaker than it even was when I was leading worship here. Um, so I'm going to ask you to stand and sing this with us so that we can sing it together and hopefully you can cover up my voice. But this is just a simple song that says, holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Remember, if we ask God for this, he is faithful and he will give it to us. And so we're going to sing this song, but I love the chorus where it says, take my heart, form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, O oh Lord. You see, it's through that surrender that we really experience that blessedness that Psalm 1 is talking about, that holiness, that righteousness, that faithfulness that God wants us to have.